I used to think that the complexity of our culture and the, com the technology uh, has would make my life way more complicated. But now I know that the only thing that makes my life complicated is when I stop focusing on what's really important. And this past week or so has been a real eye-opener eye regarding that and a real reminder for that. Um, many of you know that um, two men um, of our church family are in the hospital right now, um, both actually at the same hospital, Valley Hospital, um, on two separate situations. Uh, Ricky McGee, who uh, sings up here often, um, and, uh, and Nick Oliver, uh, another one of our mem members of our church family. Uh, Ricky had one of his legs amputated and um, because of some vascular problems, and, um, and that was rough to go through with him. Right down the hall um, at the same hospital, our friend uh, Nick Oliver, a lot of y'all know him, um, he, uh, he fell, a simple fall, and he broke his neck. He's paralyzed from the shoulders down, permanently. And I'll tell you what, if as you're visiting with folks having to make really hard decisions or just being like, like seeing how fragile life is, it really does cause you to start to look at your priorities and say, what, what am I focusing on? You know, I mean, life and things become, seem so complex you know, but the truth is, is that everything was put aside last week so that we could be with Melba and Ricky and with Nick. Um, and it's just, it's crazy, right, when, when we do those things. And, I mean, it's amazing blessings that have come across. I mean, I mean, I think if we had a list of how many people have visited Ricky and, and Nick, in the last several days that, I mean, so many of you all have taken the time, and we thank you so much for that, and they're going to continue to need your prayers and, um, and visits and all. Um, but boy, yeah, it w one of the things that struck me is we were there when the surgeon was talking to Ricky right before they were going to take him in, and he said, yeah, this surgery will take about a half hour. I said, what? That's it? A half hour. And Ricky's leg will be gone, would be gone. And Nick, I mean, he just fell. I mean, and in a, a second, his life completely changed. And I'm like, wow. We spend so much time complicating things when it's really 
Very simple. And you know, we, I mean, that's true of our, I think that's true of our culture. That's true of our lives. It's true of the church also. We can make things really complicated, can't we? Um, in fact, uh, here's a little, another little behind-the-scenes story. The reason I'm here is because Pastor Richie called me about 4.15 yesterday afternoon. He lost his voice. And I'm like, wow, I'm up. <laughs> right? Pinch hitting. And I know what the message is supposed to be about. And I thought, wow, this is complicated. <laughs> nope. Actually, it's really simple. It wasn't easy, but it was simple. It is simple. And I realized again that we spend so much time complicating things that were meant to be simple. And like I said, we do that at the church. I mean, we do. You know, I mean, I can't tell you how many books in the last several years I've read on discipleship for example. Discipleship, right? Big deal at the church, right? We're called to be disciples, which for those of you who aren't really keen on that word or, you know, fully understand that, it's basically, you know, um, God-focused mentorship. How about that? And, I mean, there are so many different programs and, you know, and methods of discipleship. And, I mean, literally, I got an email uh, about a week and a half ago from one of our elders. I mean, it was like one of these like books, el- you know, uh, emails on all these questions about discipleship. I was like, wow, we have made this way too complicated. And one of the part of the fallout of making things complicated is that we tend to shotgun things because we have to spend time on all this complicated stuff and we lose focus on what we're really called to focus on. You guys, can you guys relate to this in your own lives? I mean, this isn't just me, right? Is it? Because I'll tell you what, I mean, last time I shared, you know, I talked about how busy I was and all that and that's also another function of things getting complicated and kind of shotgunning an approach to things rather than getting focused and focusing on doing things with excellence, right? And, you know, in the church, it should be so much more simple, don't you think? I mean, do you all come here to add more complication to your life? Do you? <laughs> I didn't think so. In fact, my guess would be that many of you come to breathe. Believe it or not, I come here sometimes. Even though this is my job, I come here to just breathe. 
and to refocus my day and my week on where it needs to be focused. Well, that's, again, like I mentioned a few weeks ago, not a 21st century um, phenomenon. It really isn't. Um, It was very easy for the folks in the first century and before to get, to lose focus on what they really needed to get focused on. So I want to share a little bit of a story, um, actually in the Old Testament, in the uh, book of 2 Kings. um, And 2 Kings is the book right after 1 Kings. And uh, the book, those two books, talk about really the history of the Israeli people, right, the Israelites, um, and that they had, you know, there was a, a string of kings that, you know, were in charge of the Israeli people, right? Y'all know that. And um, like I said, the books of kings, as well as uh, several of the other books, are historical books. And, um, you know, remember it started off with the first king. Remember the first king of Israel was King Saul? Remember that? Um, and uh, he was a pretty good king for a while, kind of got a little crazy after the end of that, you know, after the end of his life, and kind of went a little nutty. And, and who took over after him? Do you remember King David, right? King David took over, and, um, and after him, his son Solomon, King Solomon, right? And there was this line of kings um, who, uh, who reigned over the people of Israel. And um, this was also during the time that, um, you know, started in the time that they were uh, um, just kind of looking, well, needing to be focused on one God, and they were having difficulty with it. So I'm gonna, we're going to kind of fast forward a little bit through, all the way to 2 Kings. I'm going to talk a little bit about King Hezekiah. Not one of the more well-known kings, but actually King Hezekiah. You know, we had, uh, the people of Israel had good kings and they had bad kings and no perfect kings, right? They weren't focused on the one perfect king all the time. Uh, so they, were, they focused more on those human kings. And King Hezekiah actually was one of those good kings. He was, he was uh, a good guy. And uh, I'm going to just uh, read a few verses starting in 2 Kings um, chapter 18, which I think will be up on the board there. Um, and speaking of King Hezekiah, it said, He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, right? Just as his father David had done. Now, when they say father in this respect, I mean it was his ancestor, not his. He wasn't like a brother of, uh, of Solomon. Um, again, King Hezekiah, he removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made, for up to that time the Israelites had been burning incense to it. It was called Nehashuten. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses. And the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. From watchtower to fortified city, he defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory. King Hezekiah realized that the people of Israel had lost focus. That in fact, their worship had, be, had taken on a shotgun 
approach. They were not just focusing on their worship of the Lord, their God, right? The God of Israel. These, uh, these high places were places where uh, pagans worshipped. Um, the Asherah pole, that was, Asherah poles were actually poles that were erected uh, to worship a, a goddess named Asherah. And the people of Israel were worshipping at these Asherah poles. So not uh, really um, uh, out of the ordinary. I mean, we would understand that a king that was following the true Lord and God would get rid of those things, right? Would get rid of the Asherah poles and, you know, other idols and those, all that stuff, right? Makes sense. That would be a good first step for a leader, right? Let's get rid of all that stuff. But the interesting thing is actually the next verse or the next sentence which says, he broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made for up to that time the Israelites had been burning incense to it. Do you all know what that bronze snake on a pole was? Actually, if you look back at Numbers 21, it explains what that was. This was back when the people of Israel were still uh, in the wilderness, right? In exi- after they had le- uh, been freed from Egypt, they, were, they wandered in the wilderness, for uh, 40 years, and, um, and they, there was a time when they got really annoyed with Moses and with God. And they, in fact, said to Moses, why did you lead us out of Egypt? We'd have been better off staying there as slaves. We don't even like the food that God is providing, right? The manna and the doves and all, right? They were complaining about everything. And what, what God did was... He heard the people of Israel and he wasn't happy with their attitudes. So he had their camp um, uh, surrounded by viperous snakes. And anyone who was bit by the snake died. So many of the Israelites died. Well, then they went to Moses and said, Moses, help us. These snakes are killing us. And uh, Moses went to the Lord and prayed, and God told Moses to, to uh, make a bronze snake, a snake out of bronze, and put it on a pole. And whoever would look at that pole, um, if they'd uh, been bitten by a snake, that they would live. And that's what happened. Okay, so this was like an important snake, right? An important, in fact, uh, just as a side note, that snake on the pole, if you look at the symbol for the medical profession today, it's got a snake on a pole. That's where that comes from. Um, but anyway, um, right, that, that symbol was very important to the people of Israel. But what, what happened? They started worshiping it. Right? They were burning incense to it like it was a god. They completely lost focus on the one true God, right? The God who, the God of Israel who had rescued them from Egypt into, you know, out of slavery to freedom and was going to lead them to the promised land. And they started, their worship became like a shotgun, right? They started worshiping all kinds of things. 
Hezekiah broke it, right? So you've got to know that, right, people there, when that happened, must have thought he had lost his mind. I mean, this is something that, I mean, God told Moses to make this, right? I mean, that's a big deal. And King Hezekiah broke it because they had turned it into an idol. Really made me think, what things have I, what bronze snakes are in my life? Good things, right? They were good, you know, right? The bronze snake, I mean, it was a good thing. You know, God gave it to Moses or had Moses make it and, you know, blessed it, obviously. And, um, but what bronze snakes are in my life that I have made a good thing an ultimate thing? That I have complicated my relationship with God with all this, all this other stuff that really does nothing except make me lose focus on my relationship with the Lord. Any of you guys ever thought about that? What are the bronze snakes in your lives? That, you know, I mean, sometimes it's, like I said, sometimes it's good things, like our health and our... Um, our jobs, our, our families, our kids, our, our spouses, good things. But if we turn them into the bronze snakes of our lives, if we turn them into the idols of our lives, they will always let us down, won't they? And not only that, but we end up losing focus on what God wants us to be focused on, and that's him and our relationship with him. And I'll tell you that, like I said, over the last week or so, Pastor Richie and I have been talking so much about how complicated we've made things. I mean, not just he and I, but I mean the church in general has made things. And we, we're like, no more. We've got to make it simple may not be easy, right? Change is never easy. But it's got to be simple. I mean, look at King Hezekiah, right? I mean, really, he had kind of a, a three, yeah, three different, three parts, uh, three things that he did, right? It said, starting in verse 5, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among the kings. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He didn't stop following him. And he kept the commandments, so he obeyed the Lord, um, the commands that the Lord had given to Moses. Three things. And he was successful in everything he did. Three things. Pretty simple, isn't it? He trusted God, he followed God, and he obeyed God. And that was it. And that's the first place we need to start, right? We need to trust God, we need to follow God, and we need to obey God. Really simple. Several thousand years later, Jesus came to earth. And you know what? He made it even simpler. 
two things. Right? You all know those two things? Love God. Love others. Period. Everything. All the law. All the prophets. Everything that God had taught is put into those two commands. Two things. And that was it. Pretty simple, isn't it? Now we can complicate it. We can complicate it all day long, can't we? <laughs> we can complicate it every which way from Sunday. It's really that simple. And in fact, Jesus' life shows the simplicity of that message, doesn't it? Because I talk, was talking about discipleship a little while ago, and he is our model for discipleship, obviously. Did he have a, you know, a 10-week class, you know, a 20-step program to discipleship? Nope. Three steps. Jesus' um, discipleship process was three simple steps. Right? He called his disciples. He said, hey, follow me. Follow me, and I will teach you to love God. Right? That first step is love God. Right? Love God, love others. He called them. To love God. His second step was he did life with them, didn't he? He walked with them. He taught them. He trained them. He helped them to understand his relationship, their relationship with God and, his, and their relationship with each other. Right? I mean, he... Um, he walked with them through good times, the few that they were, and he walked with them through a lot of bad times, didn't he? So he connected with them and called them. Then he did life with them and trained them. And then he sent them. He equipped them, gave them the gifts and the talents and the abilities to go out. And what did he do? He said, go. Go make disciples. So what did Jesus do? He made disciples who made disciples. Pretty simple? That sound... Now, can we complicate that? Do you want? Oh, oh gosh, could we complicate that? We can complicate it. And if I have to confess, we have. We at Living Grace have. We've complicated it. Well, not just the last week or so, but over the last many weeks, we've realized that we've complicated it. No more. It's going to be simple. We're going to follow Jesus' formula for discipleship. 
three steps. He calls us. He connects us with himself and with, with God so that we love God. We do life together. Right? We love each other. We walk with each other. We encourage each other. And then we serve each other. And that's it. We, I declare to you, we are knocking down the Asherah poles. We are breaking the bronze snakes here at Living Grace. It's going to get real simple. It is a simple gospel. It is a simple message. It is a simple process. We're going to love God. We're going to love others by connecting with, each, connecting with God, growing with each other, doing life together with each other, and serving our community and the world. And that's it. Simple. It may not be that easy, but it's going to be simple. All that to say, come next week and you'll see a little more detail of that simple process. So right now, what I want to do is we're going to play, they're going to play a, a music video. And the name of this song is Simple Gospel. So I encourage you to sing along with it. Stand up if you want, because this is the theme song for the next week or so. I'm here to invite you all on a... Thanks. Amen. I am here to invite you all on a simple journey to, to live the life of a simple gospel. to put away all the complicated mess that we've turned life and church into. You know, as I, again, as I was in the hospital this past week, I mean, you, what keeps going through your mind is, what can I do? I mean, these were two... From, our, from a human perspective, very hopeless situations. So, but it was simple. You know, you know what helped? I know, and Melba could testify to this, I know what helped her and Ricky through this was the simple fact that so many people were with her and praying for her and loved her, and does love her and Ricky through this. It's simple. And visiting Nick, even he can he can, he knows when you're there. I mean, he can he can't communicate. He's got a a, a breathing tube, and which um, they're going to do some surgery to move. But um, he can't really talk. But he knows you're there, and he can you know nod his head, and he can say yes and no, and he can, he tries to mouth some words. So you can kind of have a conversation with. It's quite a challenge, although. Mark is awesome at it. Um, so bring him and he'll translate. Um, but it's very 
simple. That's what we're going to do. That's who we are going to be as a church. We're going to love God. We're going to love each other. And we're going to serve our community and our world. And that's it. You guys in? Y'all want something else more, more complicated? Cool. We love you. We love you if you want it more complicated. But that's not how it's going to be here. It's going to be simple. So, um, actually, if the prayer team would come on up, um, we'd love to pray for you. Also, uh, our brother Bill, likey back there, you know, also needs some prayer. You know, he also went through a medical procedure a week or so ago, um, and he, his family wanted me to let you all know that he appreciates and, and covets your prayers as well. And um, we we say that prayer is the, is all we can do because we know that that's true. It's simple but it is not minor. And it does not stay easy. When we pray, it definitely doesn't stay easy for our enemy, does it? So, just want to encourage you all, if you have, you have some prayer requests or anything, you, any questions you have about today or where we're going, uh, be glad to talk to you, but be here next week and we will get more into the simple gospel and the simple church that we're going to be. Have a great day in Jesus.